This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. This is a fun episode. It's episode 381, and my guest is Coach Ben Rosario with NAZ Elite. This is Ben's fifth time on the podcast. He was first on in September of 2018, episode 140. You can also find him episode 161, episode 229, and episode 272. So it's been a little while since I last caught up with Ben, and I was really excited to catch up with him. He has a new book out, friends, called Run Like a Pro, even if you're slow, with some really great training plans, advice, tips, and simple ways we can incorporate useful training techniques into our own training. He wrote this with Matt Fitzgerald. And uh, I love that Ben is just super straightforward. He's always really fun to talk to. But he, if you don't know Ben, he is the coach of NAZ Elite. He is Steph Bruce's coach, which we just had Steph on the podcast. Uh, We've had several athletes from this group on the podcast throughout the years. Their group just welcomed Wesley Kiptu to the team. And they've had some moving around of the team. They've had some teammates like Scott Fobble, who's coming up on the podcast next week, who has moved on to another team and coach. But they are adding so many new athletes to their roster as well. And Ben's going to tell us what his plan is for what they're going to be focusing on over these next few years. So we get team updates. We hear about the book and we just catch up with Coach Ben. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Gooder. If you are looking for some great sunglasses, make sure you check out Gooder. I swear every new person I meet is wearing Gooder sunglasses. I'm constantly meeting new people here in North Carolina and every person I meet, I'm like, okay, they have a pair of Gooder sunglasses. Clearly these are the best sunglasses out there. Uh, You can check them out. They have lots of fun colors and styles. Lots of plain styles as well. If you don't want to wear anything sassy, they don't move around. They don't slip around when you run. I wear mine constantly. I love the aviator style. My go-to is the breakfast run to Tiffany's. Say that's probably the shades I wear the most. And fun, we are giving away a pair of Gooder shades today. We do a giveaway every single month here on the podcast for new ratings and reviews that come in. So this is the giveaway from April's ratings and reviews, and they're going to go to Lisa Marie. All right, Lisa, email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com to claim your sunglasses. Lisa says, I enjoy the wide variety of guests, topics, and storylines that Lindsay shares. Fun to listen to while running or any other time too. Keep it up. Thank you, Lisa, for the rating and review. So you can leave ratings and reviews on iTunes and you can just leave ratings on Spotify. Make sure you send me an email to let me know uh, that you've done so, so I don't miss you into our drawing. Uh, Thank you, Lisa. And don't miss out on the May drawing for the Gooder Sunglass Giveaway. We're giving away a pair every single month. Uh, All right, friends. I really hope you enjoy my conversation catching up with Coach Ben. 
All right. Well, back on the podcast today. It's been a while. We have Ben Rosario on the show. Welcome back to the show, Ben. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. It's been too long. It's been a long time. I think that the last time you were on the show was when you all signed the like four-year deal with Hoka. Yeah, I think I think we we had a chat when we signed our newest deal, and uh, of course, many of our athletes have been on. And I know you talked to Steph and Kellen and Alephine in 2020, right before the Olympic trials, and so long history with your wonderful show. Oh my gosh, that experience that you allowed me to do with your athletes before what might have been the most important race in most of their careers was such an honor. So let me just say two years later, thank you again. <laughs> oh, you're, you're welcome. It was, um, you, you know, you, you were brave enough to ask, uh, and it was a little bit of a challenge to make that work. Uh, I had to talk to everybody and talk to their agents and all those good things, but, uh, but you were the only one we granted access to the day before like that it was just so close to the race but uh but actually i think they really enjoyed it because you're you're such a good host obviously and so calm and um i think they they were so confident going into that race i don't think they minded talking about it and uh you know it all worked out for the best didn't it yeah i mean i remember my son was like in the corner playing video games like (laughs) yelling (laughs) i remember that yeah because i i came to watch um uh, quote unquote watch uh, uh, slash make sure it didn't go too long and uh, <laughs> it, it, it was good fun. It was good. We fun. got some Coach Ben talk there as well, though. That's right. I jumped in. I jumped in. Yeah. You know, it's really cool too, and we'll move on from the trials in just a second. Just looking back at all that Al- after Alphine won, just like pulling different quotes from that interview, and then to see what she did, then did the next day was it might be one of the coolest experiences of my career. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, thank thank you for that. That's awesome to hear. And seeing not only that, like, I felt like it was such a cool opportunity for, um, not to make this about my family, but my son to like come see me interview these amazing athletes and then watch the race, like be out on the course. And he actually physically was like taking videos of Alephine <laughs> at that home stretch, like that he experienced just seeing them as everyday normal people talking to me and then going out and doing these like superhuman feats. Just so cool. Well, thank you. And I'll just say one more thing about that, that that is why it is so important uh, for us or for any, um, you know, professional athlete to do grassroots type of mm-hmm. media, uh, in-person uh, media, in-person um, group chats and Q and A's and panel discussions or even group runs. You know, my, my daughter, Alphine came to speak to her class after she won the Olympic trials when I guess, I guess Addison would have been in third grade and her third grade teacher still asks how Alphine's doing every time myself or my wife see her. And that just shows you the connection that can happen in person that just cannot happen on Twitter or Instagram. You think you know somebody and you Mm. think you're a fan, but you're really a fan when you see them live and in person. It's kind of like going to a show. You can like an album, but when you see a a musician or a band play live, then you like them forever. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's like like that real in-person touch. I remember I interviewed, or yeah, I interviewed Steph 
before I think it was be I don't know it was before one of the New York City live shows I did and I it was interviewing Kellen at the live show not Steph okay but okay. Steph was like yeah I'm gonna bring you one of my grit tank tops and <laughs> I'm like oh she's not gonna remember to bring me a grit tank top here comes Steph Bruce walking right up to me with her tank top under her arm and I'm like oh my gosh this is so cool just the nicest people that's awesome that's awesome um, okay, well, let's let's start with some team updates. I know you guys have a lot of transitions going on, so give us some little updates with NAZ. Yeah, it's all good. You know, of course, uh, transition and and turnover is part of team sports, and so we did have a couple of people exit uh, at at year's end for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, Scott Smith retired mm. <laughs> and Scott was a part of our team from day one. So that was sad, but also happy because, um, you know, he had a great career. He had a wonderful career and, um, we, we really celebrated that, uh, with him in person at our holiday party and did a big video kind of highlight show of his career with us. And that was pretty special. And he spoke to the group. And so, you know, Scott leaving was, was, was sad, but it was also cool because it was, a, it was a, an example of, Hey, look, stick with the group, be loyal, um, stick with the program and amazing things are going to happen. He had a, he had a wonderful career. And, uh, so that was, that was, uh, you know, bittersweet as I say, but, uh, you know, part of the deal. And then, yeah, Scott Fauble, uh, left to, you know, just kind of change your scenery. And that's part of the deal as well. Same with Rory Linkletter. Uh, and then Sid Vaughn, um, uh, you know, we kind of parted ways super amicably because we just couldn't get him healthy. And that's just, that's just how it goes sometimes, you know. Uh, but the good news was with change comes opportunity for new people to step up and become leaders. And so, you know, look, on the women's side, we've we've had for a long time a strong core with Stephanie and Kellen, who you already mentioned, Alphine, who we already mentioned. Um, and, and of course, they're they're wonderful. But on the men's side now... We've got uh, Matt Baxter and Tyler Day and Alex Masai and Nick Hogger, and they've all been able to kind of come into their own uh, post uh, the first of the year and 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 be leaders in their own ways. And um, now we actually are on the cusp of signing a couple more men. Uh, you know, that's that's uh, non-public information mm -hmm. so far, but uh, soon you'll see. And uh, we're, we're really excited about what we're doing on, on the men's side. And then, of course, on the women's side, we'll probably make some signings this summer after the NCAA season. So I think uh, the group's at uh, uh, 11 or 12 right now. And we'll probably be at uh, 14 or so after the recruitment season ends. And that's a great number for us. And, um, you know, the sky's the limit as we head into 2022 uh, or the, 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 the second quarter of 2022 because we'll kick it off here with um, – Alex Masai running Cooper River Bridge Run this weekend, and then Steph running the Boston Marathon April 18th. That's that's kind of the next real big thing on the calendar. But, uh, you know, it never ends, Lindsay. It's just one thing after another. Yeah, and Katie Wasserman, that's another new name on your team, right? Yeah, Katie's awesome. So Katie went to Columbia undergrad and then Notre Dame grad school. So safe to say she's pretty smart. And... Um, you know, she finished second at the NCAA 5,000 meter championships mm. last spring. And that was only her third 5,000 ever. Wow. She was a miler at Columbia. So she's just starting to understand the longer distances and really responding well to that type of work. She is going to open up. Uh, well, she already opened up. She won a 3,000 at Arizona State a couple of weeks ago, but that was kind of a smaller meet. 
and then she'll do a 1500 there, another small meet next weekend. But her first big race for us on the track will be the sound running track meet May 6th. Okay. And she'll try, she'll try to run a really fast 5,000 there, but she's learning a lot from the uh, veteran ladies on the team. And now we'll, you know, we'll look to add some younger people, uh, you know, to kind of coincide with, with her, uh, or I guess, I guess mesh with her as she begins her career and they begin their careers. And maybe those folks can learn under Steph Kellen and Alphine. And that'll be kind of a cool situation. Yeah. I saw that Katie majored in neuroscience. So smart, <laughs> smart lady. Very smart. And actually, I think she's going to start doing some work at the lab in, at NAU okay. uh, with, con- with concussions. That's really her passion. And so I'm totally for that. I, I, I couldn't tell you or I couldn't be more... Um, I couldn't be more confident in the fact that you need other things in your life besides running. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really happy that she's found that uh, position at NAU and can do some work, uh, you know, because look, you can be equally passionate or close to as passionate about something else besides running. That's okay. You know, and I, I tell that to all the athletes. So yeah, we're excited about Katie. You know, I'll tell you quickly one other thing that's super cool. Um, since we last spoke, Alice Wright, Ran mm. 229 in her debut marathon. Uh, Alice is from Great Britain, and that was such a big deal for us because she actually missed two full years without a race, or she went two full years without a race due to various injuries and then the pandemic. So for her to stick with it and come back and run that big debut, and hopefully she'll get a spot now on the Commonwealth Games team for for the UK. Uh, that was awesome. That was really awesome. That was a big race. Yeah, I, I it was huge. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I didn't realize she had been out that long yeah it's crazy injury injuries uh, yeah and then the pandemic there wasn't very many yeah. opportunities so even when she was healthy there was nothing to do <laughs> uh so it's just a series of unfortunate events but uh you know she's she's good now so we're very happy and yeah hopefully um i guess it would be a spot on the the uh the team for the commonwealth games marathon which will take place this july which is a huge deal in europe and, and across the world just Obviously, it's not something the United States participates in because we're not a member of uh, the Commonwealth. But um, I think that it would be huge for her because the race takes place in Birmingham, England, which is actually not that far from where she grew up. Yeah. And sub 230 debut marathon, which is 229, right? 229.08. Nice. That is so exciting. Yeah. I, You know, I interviewed Alice a long, long time ago. That's right. You did. I mean, it was probably four years ago. It's crazy. Time flies. Yes. Um, well, that's all exciting. You know, it kind of feels like you all are turning over a new leaf in a way. I mean, I know Steph is retiring at the end of the year. And so you've got all these new athletes you're recruiting. Tell me when you're recruiting these new athletes, you have this like vision for what your team was these past, what, seven, eight years, however long it's been. Like as you're bringing on these new athletes, it's kind of like what is NAZ going to look like going forward so how do you keep that in mind as you recruit people well you're 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 smart to uh phrase it that way so we do see those first eight years as the 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 first phase of the team and we do see uh right now as the beginning of the next phase Mm. and the the next phase is it as you'll see in the next couple of months actually as we roll out some some cool new uh announcements it's going to just be in some ways a continuation, but in other ways, you're going to see some big changes. I mean, we, we are going to try to, um, 
look, the continuation is to continue to bring in the right kind of people for our culture, uh, people who believe in in, in the, the team uh, training environment, who believe in a team culture, who believe that being surrounded by other like-minded, highly driven people is, is the best way for them to succeed individually. That's not going to change. Uh, but we are going to look to continue to bring in higher and higher level athletes. We've done an amazing job, I think. Uh, I'm very proud anyway of the job that we've done with athletes who have been very good at the NCAA level, but not national champions. We've never had an NCAA national champion. The new phase of this program is going to be, is going to involve bringing in the very best NCAA athletes, national champions, and seeing if they can have the same kind of improvement that a person like Steph Bruce has had. A person who was two times an All-American in the 10K on the track, but never higher than, I think, sixth. And yet she's been a two-time national champion at the senior level. She's, you know, made world teams at the half marathon cross country. She was 19 seconds away from making the mm -hmm. Olympic team in the marathon. And that was with someone who was not by any means an NCAA star. And uh, look, the next phase, and Hoka's giving us the funding to do this, is to bring in the absolute biggest stars and see if they can um, have the same level of improvement. And the other thing I would say is we're not sticking to the marathon. We, we really want to be good at 1,500 meters all the way to the marathon. So you're going to see the roster continue to grow in that way as well, uh, as, as well as, um, you know, the staff and, and the facilities and, and just the overall revenue that we're able to uh, produce via sponsorships, um, all those things are going to increase and, and, and we'll just continue to professionalize the group more and more until we can be uh, hopefully the very best group in the country. And I would say the most inspiring group in the world. That's really one of the things we're working on internally is to continue, continue to figure out, out ways uh, to inspire more and more runners across the globe of all ability levels. And I think to do that, we need, we need to be producing uh, high level results and then uh, allowing our staff to, especially myself to, to work on the, the branding in a way that uh, is even above and beyond what we've done to this point. Yeah. You know, you do this so differently than other groups. It's like, I feel that a lot of other coaches, I can maybe grab an interview with them, but it's like, they're so laser focused on coaching that team and not to say you're not laser focused on coaching your team, but the way you include us and the spectators and the everyday runners is next level. Well, thank you for that. And, and, um, I've always been someone for better or worse that doesn't really operate very well in that laser focused scenario. Mm -hmm. um, I need to have my hand in a lot of different things. Uh, you know, the six years I spent as a running store owner, I was doing everything under the sun <laughs> from putting on races to obviously working in the stores on the floor to, to operating our, um, our youth team and our, uh, our beginner team and, uh, you know, making speeches about running all over the city. And I, I operated really well that way. And it's been the same way here. I, I you know, in, in a lot of ways, uh, the fall of 2020 was, I think, as locked in as I've ever been. And I was writing a book, <laughs> which we're going to talk about. I was um, putting on the marathon project with, with Josh Cox and Matt Helbig, uh, my old business partner. We were directing that whole uh, or uh, that we were organizing that whole event uh, during that fall and, and I was coaching the team and we ended up producing great results that fall and uh, and the marathon project was awesome and the book has turned out great so I, I that's just how I operate best I don't know how to explain it um, but that's just who I am and how I'm wired the marathon project was amazing 
That was like <laughs> the you. best thing ever. Thank you. Thank you. It was very, it was very cool. And, uh, I'm, I look, I look back on it quite fondly, even though it's hard to remember because it was such a whirlwind. <laughs> I know it's one of those things that you have an idea for something. I'm sure, I don't know if you or Josh were the one who came up with the exact idea for, but you have an idea You're like, this would be really cool. But when you actually act on the idea and then it comes <laughs> to fruition and I know it took an army of people to make that, you know, go so smoothly, but thank God people act on those ideas. Well, you know how that goes. Uh, yeah. But yes, I, I think that is the key to life, isn't it? If you have something that you believe is going to work and you believe in it strongly, you should absolutely do it. You won't regret tr trying to make cool things happen. That's that's really been my my business motto all the all these years is just do cool stuff, <laughs> you know, just do cool stuff. And, and the rest of it is just a byproduct. You know, uh, the money is a byproduct of it. Uh, performances in the case of the team are just a byproduct of it but it's just it's just a matter of trying to be be creative and have fun in in, in your business life okay just give us a little pep talk here about when people tell us no because people are going to tell us no and it's <laughs> embarrassing when people tell you no well i think my pep talk when people tell you no would be that um you know they're they're ultimately not your it, you're not trying to impress or um or change the mind of, of the naysayers. That's that's really not what you're trying to do when you when you're trying to, as I say, do cool stuff. Uh, you're trying to to have fun and do something that you think you would like as, as a fan or or as a client or or you know depending on your business, right? And if you do that, and if you answer those questions like, hey, is this fun? Am I having fun? Do, am I helping others? Am I helping others have fun? Am I helping others succeed? And 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 uh, if all if the answer to all those things are yes, and the answer from one person was no, I'm not really so worried about that one person. I'm worried about you and all the people you care about, and um, you know, the other people. So be it. Yeah. Do you guys have a Hoka shirt or an NAZ shirt that says "Do cool stuff" yet? I have a tattoo that says do cool stuff. You do? Uh, we, do not, we, we do not have a shirt that says that. Maybe we should. Oh, you totally should. Get that up on the, the site. Do that. Oh, I <laughs> love it. That's, that's great. Hey, friends. A quick break to share with you about a new product, a new sponsor for this podcast that I am loving, Portland Bee Balm. Beyond the amazing quality of their balm, Portland Bee Balm is committed to to creating sustainable products, which is hugely important to me. They are members of 1% for the planet, which means they donate 1% of revenue to organizations tackling our planet's most pressing environmental issues. This is so cool. Products that are useful, natural, and add value to people's lives and the world. Portland Bee Balm provides the best hydration for your lips with clean and simple ingredients. Since I put balm on my lips multiple times throughout the day, it is so important to me that the products I'm using are clean and effective. Portland Bee Balm has so many different varieties of scents, but my favorite is the Organ Mint. The ingredients they source and the packaging they use all support health and well-being to the environment and community. So awesome. Friends, go to portlandbeebalm.com and use the code SANDYBOY for 20% off your first order. All right, back to the show. Um, okay, so, you know, we mentioned the 
the uh, way that you all include us and not just the pros. And one way you've done that is through this third book, Run Like a Pro, Even If You're Slow, that you wrote with Matt Fitzgerald. So can you just tell us about the birth of this book that, by the way, everybody, it's out now, so you can go ahead and purchase it. That's right. Available for sure online everywhere books are sold and uh, and in bookstores uh, as well. Uh, yeah, so maybe you do or do not know this if you're listening, but Matt came out, Matt Fitzgerald is a, is a I would say, I, I think it's fair to say a world famous author in terms of running. Uh, he's written countless books. Uh, and had a, an enormous amount of success, uh, but he is also a runner and also a coach. And in 2000, late in 2016, he came to me and asked if he could come out to Flagstaff in, in, in 2017 in the summer slash fall and train for the Chicago Marathon, quote unquote, as a pro, live like a pro, do all the things we're doing, massages, chiropractic work, strength and conditioning, get coached by me, run with the group every day at altitude, you know, et cetera. And I said, sure, let's do it. And so, you know, the whole purpose of that exercise for him was not only to try and set a personal best, but to write a book about it. And he did, it's called running the dream. It's, it's done really well. It's a fantastic book. It just, it's a, it's a story about him coming out and doing this. And, uh, and he wanted to set a personal best, you know, in the marathon. And, and he actually did. He, at 46 years old, he ran 239 in the marathon, which was a personal best that was over 10 years old. Wow. So pretty amazing that he, that he was able to do that. And during that process, he and I became friends and one of the things that he wanted to do very early on, or he recognized that we should do is, uh, he's, he said, you and I need to write a book. That's more of a how to book. Eventually he said this, this book I'm writing now, this is a story about me coming out here and doing this, but I think so many people could benefit from what I'm learning right now. And, uh, and we need to write that book eventually. And so that's what we did. Eventually <laughs> we, we, we wrote this book in, in 2020, uh, during the pandemic, he and I went back and forth and, you know, we, we, I mean, Matt was really the driver of this, but he, he took nine topics that he felt were very important for, for runners of all ages, all abilities. And he sort of wrote a chapter about the scientific reasoning behind why these things are important. Nutrition, recovery, pacing, uh, balancing your intensities, mileage, all of these things that are common topics that we see and read about all the time. And he really digs into the science of these things and explains it. And, and hopefully that's enough for you. But if that's not enough, what I come in and do at the end of every chapter is give anecdotal evidence, you know, from obviously uh, 20 years of coaching, but, but another 10 years of running myself. So let's just say 30 years of experience uh, as a runner and, and then as a coach. And I just give you stories of, of why this stuff works, whether it's you know, I use Steph Bruce as an example in, in, in the book. I use Kellen Taylor as an example in the book. But it's just saying, hey, Matt's telling you that this is important. Hopefully you believe him. But here's an example of why I know it's important and why I know it works. And yes, we're using the pros as, as, as examples throughout the book. But we're saying, I promise you this will work for you. And, and, and I'm trying, at least in my sections, of really using just common sense, right? And I'll, I'll use sleep as an example. Yes, these athletes get a ton of sleep and they realize that it's important. 
but it is important for you too. You know, if you're trying to get your Boston qualifier and you need to run 3.30 for the marathon, why wouldn't sleep be important? There's so many of these things that the pros do that I think we just kind of say, oh, well, that's their job. They have to do it. Yeah, but if it's important to you, you should you should put a premium on sleep as well. And, and that's really the the concept of this book is just in a, in a really pragmatic, kind of easy to understand way saying, look, this stuff is, an import, is important. And if you want to improve, then you need to do it too. Yeah, it's really good. I've, I haven't finished the whole book, but I've thumbed through quite a bit of it. I'm looking at the training plans right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do include that. Those are Matt's uh, training plans at the end. And uh, he did a great job. I mean, it's a, that's why I say it's a comprehensive book, because not only are you getting all these chapters about uh, these different topics, but then at the end, he's giving you 5K training, 10K, half marathon, marathon, even ultra marathon training. So I, I just can't imagine a more... Um, <laughs> turnkey book for for someone who wants to get better. I didn't realize he wrote the training plans. For some reason, I was thinking they were your training plans. Well, I want to give him credit. I mean, certainly I edited them and, and looked at them, but uh, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I mean, he he uh, he knows his stuff, and um, he's an impressive guy to work with. He's an incredibly uh, <laughs> an incredibly articulate writer, but but a very very driven individual when it comes to work. Yeah, you know, whenever I talk to people who are like like you mentioned, trying to qualify for Boston or things like that. I always recommend his book, How Do you, How Bad Do You Want It? Yes, great book. It's a good book. It kind of gets your head in the right place. Like, I don't know, stop overthinking this so much. Like, first of all, you're just running, but like all of those pieces, I mean, I, it's been six years probably since I read the book, but I just remember that book giving me a healthier mindset of like, what working hard in a marathon really looks like and to stop mm-hmm. being so like anxious about those kinds of moments and to just actually work really hard. I think that's so much of what Matt and I believe in together. And that's why that's why it was kind of easy in a way to write this book together, because we really don't disagree on any of these core principles. Uh, you know, of course, one of his core principles is 80, 80 20 running, which he's mm-hmm. made a, a whole brand out of. But that idea that, you know, look, 80 percent of the time you're just running easy. And 20% of the time you're running hard. Uh, I think what's cool about this book is we really dig into what that 20% is all about and uh, some of the different things that you can do in a fun way within that 20% of hard running. It's not all uh, the same. And, you know, the pros do a great job of, I think that the phrase we use in the book is balancing intensities, but we dig into that and, and the different kinds of things you can do in, in, in workouts or even in one workout. And, um, you know, I think I think anyway that that's going to appeal to a lot of people because when you're looking more at generic training, you know, just your classic, you read an article, tells you the basics, right? The basics are fine, but you get to a point where you want to be a little bit more creative and um, and the pros have to be creative because, look, if, if they're going to have a long career, they can't just do the same exact thing every Tuesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we get stuck in a rut doing that sometimes as amateurs. Uh, but we give you a lot of cool ideas in the book, uh, different ways to um, ah, kind of spice up your training. OK, so talk to us about the running more piece, because uh, I, that was one of the chapters I was really interested in, because I'm one that will run less because I'm so n- nervous about getting injured However, I also know all of the little things that I need to do to stay injury free on top of running all the miles. It's just like, what do I decide to commit to actually? So sometimes instead of over doing the physical therapy and things like that, I will just run less miles. But 
to -hmm. get faster, one of the points that you all make in the book is that most people are going to be faster eventually if they run more. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty simple, right? Yeah. And that's what I said. A lot of this is just pragmatic stuff. But, um, you know, what we're doing in the book is we're not we're not saying that every single person has to run high mileage. What we're saying is high mileage is relative. And what we're saying is we're trying to find or we're trying to help you find your sweet spot. And we do believe that if you run more, you will be better to a point, right? You have to find what works for you. However, what what Matt does a good job in the book of, of saying, and what I think I back him up with anecdotally is one easy, easy, easy way to run a little bit more is to slow down on your easy days. Of course, you know, I mentioned 80, 20 running, but that 80%, that easy running, it's hard to get right. And I admit that and I get that and I sympathize because as human beings, you know, we have this innate sense that if we want to get better at something, we have to work really hard. And with running, it's very confusing that running super, super easy, or I should say, it's confusing to think that while running easy, we're getting better and we're improving, but we are though. Physiologically, we are. The heart is getting stronger. We are building capillaries that are then going to bring oxygen to our muscles in a, in a more efficient way. We are, we are building our mitochondria. We are growing our mitochondria. These things are actually happening even while running very, very easy. What happens is when we run our easy running kind of medium, look, those things are still happening. No more or less, really. They're still happening. But we're putting extra strain on our muscles and tendons and ligaments and bones unnecessarily. And I would would venture to say that if most amateur runners, honestly, even most pro runners, would just slow their easy runs down a little bit, they could A, run more mileage, and they could B, run their harder workouts harder. And so that's what I would say to you as you think about injury. Don't think of it as mileage. Think of it as intensity. If you can slow down a little bit, you can run more and actually prevent injury. Yeah, that's so good. People are so scared to slow down, especially people that are new to the game with marathoning because they think, well, how the hell am I going to run this marathon a minute and a half faster per mile in the actual race if so much of my running is done at X pace? And it's just there's so much um, trust in that process. There is some trust, but it will work. And that's what we're trying to do in the book is to tell you that it will work. And we're trying to give you examples. I'll give you an example that I don't even think I used in the book, but it's the kind of thing that uh, that I share in the book quite a bit, you know, just a real story, right? So I think a lot of people listening may know this, but the Northern Arizona University cross-country team, the men's team, has been unbelievable. I mean, almost unprecedentedly good, if that's a word. Uh, They have been so amazing over the last few years. They've won five national titles out of the last six years. And one of the things I love about them is how slow they run on their easy runs. And you see them around town and you wouldn't believe it, Lindsay. They're jogging. Hmm. They're going so incredibly slow. And one of the funny, and they take pride in it. Because they know that that's going to allow them to do the hard work necessary to win these national titles. And one of my favorite little things I've heard them say is the day before the national championships, when they're jogging the course, they say, today, we're the slowest team in the nation. Tomorrow, we're the fastest. And uh, I just love that philosophy, just just embracing the fact that they're running easy on their easy days. I love that. It's interesting to watch people too. Uh, I think there was a bunch of college teams here in 
Raleigh recently. The Raleigh Relays were Oh, happening. Raleigh Relays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. As a fan of the sport, I should have got my butt over there and <laughs> gone and checked it out, but I did not. <laughs> um, but I saw this group of guys who I assume, I don't know what school they're from, jogging around near where we live. And I was like, they look like they're going so slow. And I say that yep. because I feel like a lot of times when I see college-aged guys or around that age, even when they're running easy, they still seem like they're running really fast to me. Yep. yep. So maybe these guys were from northern Arizona. I don't know where they're from, but they were definitely jogging like eight-plus-minute eight miles for sure. Well, I think with the with the – the transparency that's out there now, yeah, you know, through Strava, through um, Final Surge, uh, you know, our team obviously shares on that platform. Um, I, I think we're we're learning more and more, and of course, that's what we're trying to we're trying to accelerate that process in the book. We're learning and learning more and more what really actually works, and it it is counterintuitive at times, but again. I promise you it works. And, and that is one of the, that is one of the staples. And, and I'm glad you brought that up first, because um, if you were only going to read one chapter in the book or, <laughs> or one bit of the book, uh, that might be the best part to read. Honestly, is that, that this is a real thing. You got to take your easy days easy if you want to get better, because it allows you to get more out of your hard days and allows you to run more and allows you to stay healthy. I can't tell you how many people, and I don't even run like relatively fast anymore, you know, for comparative to the general population. I just run. And I can't even tell you how many people when I'm like, oh, yeah, I meet them in the neighborhood. I'm like, we should run sometime. And they're like, oh, I can't run with you. Yeah. And I'm like, I like, I'm not asking you to do a workout with me. Like, I don't, we can run 11 minute miles. I don't care exactly. what we do. I just want to run with a friend, you know? Exactly. Yeah. You're so right about that. I, I, uh, I, the, the easy run range is such a big range. And so, heck yeah, you know, that, that's a great time. That's why group runs are so great at a, at a running store. Um, you can have a three hour marathoner doing an easy run with a two twenty marathoner and maybe throw a four hour marathoner in there too. And they can just jog around the park for a few miles. Why not? You know, and who knows, maybe the two twenty marathoner picks it up at the end and runs a little bit more or something like that, or a little faster at the end. But absolutely, those folks can run together. Absolutely. Yeah. And talk about, I mean, because to me, it's like we want running to be more inclusive. We want more people to run. It's good for it's good for the community. It's good for everybody to move their bodies more. So I'm just I guess I'm just sending this message to listeners right now. <laughs> like, don't not run with someone because they are a slower runner than you. Like, go run with them, run 30 minutes and then go do your own thing if you want to do your own thing. But I just think it's so important to not be have this like oh, I'm a 3.30 marathoner. I'm a, you know, sub three-hour marathoner. I, I can't run that slow. It's like, no, go go be with your community. Absolutely. And it's kind of your job in that scenario that you're describing as the quote-unquote faster person to make sure that you're running the other person's pace. And that's totally fine. Totally. And, and, and honestly, I'll find, you know what's funny is, and you just mentioned it in your uh, hypothetical situation or, or actual situation, I guess, is that oftentimes if you're the, quote unquote, slower person in this scenario, you'll be surprised. The faster person is fine with it. They're totally fine with totally. it. It's okay. You know? And so, yeah, let's not be intimidated. Oh, totally. 
for sure. And honestly, I've been doing this um, on Saturday or Friday mornings at 7 a.m. I have just like we've recently moved to a new neighborhood and on you know in a different state, and I've just been really adamant about meeting my neighbors and people know I'm a runner and all those things. And I have <laughs> this group of ladies that meet. We meet at 7 a.m. Usually, like sometimes we take walk breaks because that's what people do, and like. It's just such a good way to start the day, move your body. And guess what? We do 30 minutes and then usually I can get like three more miles in before I have to go start getting my kids ready for school. So I just think that it's such a good way to get people involved in what we're passionate about, you know, so off my soapbox. No, no, no. I'll, I'll add to your soapbox and just say that's been such a passion of mine in my adult life, my, my life in this, in this world is to really do what I'm doing in the book, right? Which is just saying, you guys can do this. I, I remember in the running stores, when I owned the stores back in the day, I could never sell racing flats mm. because road racing flats, because people with, oh, I'm not fast enough for those. And I used to just say, why not? Of course you are. Do you want to get better? then you're, of course, you're fast enough to wear racing flats. You deserve racing flats, you know? And uh, that that mindset is so funny, but you're so right that it exists. And I think in this book and in other, in other speeches I give and, and interviews and people like yourself, uh, you know, same thing. We, we're, we're just trying to tell people, you're good enough. Believe me, you're good enough. It's all good. We're all in the same boat here. That's so funny that you say that because I remember, oh gosh, it was probably like, I think it was before I had kids, like 10 years ago or something. And um, I was starting to try to run faster marathons and kind of getting into it a little bit more. And I kind of thought, should I get some shoes like that? Like just, you know, for my races and and things like that. And the guy at the running store looked at me and he was like, you don't need those. Oh, shame on him. Shame on him. Let's not say the store's name, but shame on him. Right? Isn't that so funny? And I did, I kind of felt stupid because I'm I'm not that fast of a marathoner, but um I don't know. I ran cross country in high school and, and whatnot. So we always wore, you know, yes, spikes and flats. So and... fun to put on your quote unquote racing shoes, you know, yeah. like that's, that's such a cool thing on race morning to do. And everybody should have that experience. Why not? Listen, if I ever go for sub three in the marathon, I will get myself some fancy right. shoes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, some hokas, but yes. Yes, definitely hokas. <laughs> Actually, you know, Ben, I am wearing hokas right now. I wear them off four. Go. There you go. Awesome. Hey friends, a quick break here. I want to tell you about shoot photography. This is the coolest thing, okay? You can book free photography sessions and then only pay for the photos you love with shoot photography. Sessions take place all over the country in 60 cities. We have one here in Raleigh and my family just got photos taken last weekend. I love them. Quick 30 minute session. You can just buy the photos that you love and the photos just start at $15 and then the more you buy, the bigger the discount you get. And if you wanna buy the whole package, it's only $2.95 for the entire package. You can use these for family photos, maternity photos, maybe branding photos. I mean, I think it's a great idea to get a good Christmas picture for your Christmas card, if I'm being honest. You can go to shoot.com, that's S-H-O-O-T-T, Dot com and use the code SANDYBOY so you book your session, go get your photos taken, you don't pay anything, and then when you get your photos back, which by the way, my photos came back one day later, they are lightly edited, then you can go through the gallery and pick the photos you want to buy. 
When you purchase five photos or more, you can get 15% off when you use the code SANDYBOY. This is a great deal. It's super simple. We just showed up at this park, met the photographer, took pictures for 30 minutes, and then my kids went to play. Such a simple way to get photos. So that's shoot, S-H-O-O-T-T dot com. And when you go to purchase your pictures, use the code SANDYBOY. Uh, Go see if they're in your city. Uh, All right, friends, back to my conversation with Coach Ben. Okay, so I want to talk about minutes over miles because that's a point in the book too. And it's a, it's a, it's a way that a lot of coaches that I've talked to do things. And I, and I think that that's, you know, I think a lot of amateur runners, we go by miles or K's or whatever. So talk to us about the seven hour rule and why you do things by minutes rather than miles. Uh, yeah. So the best way to describe it is just that the body doesn't know the difference. Mm. And look, I'll admit that I actually go by miles. And so, so it's, it's not like I'm religious about, about this concept. Um, I think it can go either way. So I don't think you're doing anything wrong if you run by miles, but, but the idea is that, okay, let's say you run, I'll try to think of a nice, even number. Let's say that your easy run pace is eight minutes per mile. Okay. And your coach or your training plan calls for you to go run six miles. Um, so theoretically that's going to take you 48 minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, as far as the physiology goes, the heart and the lungs, they don't care how far you went, went. They just care that you went 48 minutes. And that's what, that's what we're trying to say here is that if you want to try this, then maybe this is a good way for you to think about it. All you're doing is, is training the heart and lungs here. And so there's no need to worry about how many miles did you get in? What was your per mile pace? That stuff kind of gets in the way sometimes of the physiology and the things you actually need to accomplish. So the purpose of the day, if you will. And so why not just say today's today, I'm going for, let's say 50 minutes. And then you just, it takes the pressure off. I think for some people, you don't need to be checking your watch. Shoot. Honestly, you don't even need to wear your watch if you don't want to. Just head out the door, do a loop that you think is going to take about 50 minutes, come back by the house, check if you're at 50 yet. If you got two minutes to go, jog down and back and, and you're good to go. And I, I think it's a mental thing as much as anything. It, 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 um, it creates a situation where your run becomes, again, more purposeful. Hey, today is about an easy run. It's about being on my feet for 50 minutes. And it is absolutely not about how far I go. So I, I think that's really it. And then, yeah, over the course of a week, you add up how much time you spent running. And and that's a good way to tangibly look at what you accomplished over a whole week, as opposed to, you know, I ran 50 miles this week or 53 or 64 or 22 or whatever it might be. It's, hey, I ran for this many hours and this many minutes. And uh, for some people that works really well. And I would I would encourage you to try it especially if you're someone who gets a little bit too uh, addicted to your per mile pace. Yeah. I love that too for easy runs because some days, depending on the workload you've had uh, earlier in the week or just like whatever the heck is going on in your life, like yeah, 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 yeah. 9.30 feels easy and some days nine minutes feels easy. And so like, don't hold yourself to that. Just hold yourself to the time. I love that. Well, you know, the body's a pretty amazing machine too. Uh, it's like it's like when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you never overeat. 
when you're when you're a baby when you're growing up uh-huh. because the body just knows it has its it has signals that it sends and you're just done eating and that's the end of it <laughs> but when we're older uh because we like pizza or the burger or whatever it might be and it's in front of us we keep eating uh-huh. uh and um you know, if we just would let our body do the work for us naturally, I think we'd be better off in a lot of different ways in our life. Uh, but when it comes to running, you know, if you head out the door, let's say for an out and back run and you know, you need to be easy and you don't pay attention to the splits and you just go out a half hour and come back and you just really let your body drive the ship and not your mind, you'll probably run the exact pace that you should. Mm. <laughs> it's it's kind of as simple as that. And um, yeah, I just think let's let's remember that uh, our, our bodies are pretty amazing machines. Let's just let them do the work for us and, and not let our minds get in the way. It's so funny you mentioned the kids because I can't tell you how many times I see my kids eating something. They're just like full halfway through and they're just like, I'm done. And I'm like, yep. man, what a gift to just be like, what I don't need to finish this plate because I'm full. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we don't want to get into the bad side of disordered eating and and things like that. But what I'm talking about is just the natural stuff, you know? Oh yeah. Like I'm just, my body's full. I don't need to eat anymore. I'm going to go play now. Yep. Done. Off Uh, you go. Oh, that's so good. Um, okay. Well, one more piece of the book we'll cover before we wrap up here. And that is, do you know what I'm going to say? Probably not. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm ready. (laughs) Um, let's talk about, I just picked out my favorite pieces. So, um, We'll talk about the champion mindset and how what I specifically want to know is how as a coach you determine, you know, in the book you give Scott Fobble as an example of someone having a champion mindset. How do you determine when you're recruiting like, oh, this person has it? Yeah, well, I'm I'm more and more serious about it. That's for sure. You know, um, because nowadays everything it's so deep now in in distance running at the professional level, you you have to have a champion's mindset or you're just not going to perform at the highest level. It's just it's just impossible. Um, And what I'm looking for when I look for an NCAA athlete is did they win races? You know, if if they were especially if they were at a little bit smaller school or smaller conference, and they had an opportunity to run um, a lot of championship style races. Did they win those races? Um, if they were at a little bigger school, you know, look, sometimes it's hard to get a lot of wins because you're racing at such a high level. But did they compete for the win? Were they there when the when the real racing happened? Or is their resume, is the bright spot on their resume simply a fast time where they were 12th place and they just sat in line in a time trial? Mm. That's not going to get it done. That is just not going to get it done. And, and the champions they they find a way to win races or be in it to win it um, because that's what drives them is competition. Non-champions are driven by arbitrary uh, times and places and they attach their self-worth to those times. Unfortunately, I would say that is not a champion's mindset. A champion doesn't finish a race happy uh, with their time if they got beat or if they know deep down they could have they could have run harder and, and could have gone deeper. Uh, that's what a champion is concerned with. How deep did I, how deep did I go today? Did I get the absolute most out of myself? Regardless, regardless of what time is on the clock uh, when they finished. And uh, th- that's what Scott Fauble always did well. And I'm, I'm sure will continue to do well uh, throughout his career. And that's, that's the type of people we're looking for on the team. Absolute champions. Okay. We have to just get into that a little bit more I want to hear you go off on 
um, running, racing to win and not for times. And there's so many time trials now. And I just, I know you talked about this on Carrie's podcast, but I really want to hear you talk about it here. I mean, look, you know, you could disagree with me, of course, but I thought this was sports, you know, yeah. and I grew up from the time I was the little, from my littlest, my youngest memory is watching sports, you know, and um, when I watched a baseball game, I wanted my team to win. You know, uh, and I was much more concerned with whether my team won or lost than than whether my favorite player hit a home run or not. And um, I was much more concerned with trying to win the World Series than than I was with stats and same with hockey and same with every every sport I ever watched or loved. And, and it was the same thing with running. You know, when I watched running as a kid, um, I wanted my favorite athlete to win. Um, and and um, and when I ran as a kid, I wanted to win and I wanted my team to win. And somewhere along the line, um, and I think it's been a process. We've we've somehow gotten away from that as being the uh, the barometer, and all of a sudden the barometer has become uh, times, and it's really unfortunate at the professional level because I don't find that very interesting, and I don't think it's very interesting for the fans. And there's a reason why, um, you know, we have trouble explaining this concept to the fans that that uh oh actually this race isn't about who wins it's about how many people get the olympic standard mm. that's just a very bizarre concept sports is about winning and losing and um i just think we've we've gotten away from that and technology has has been a part of that and the way our sport is set up has been a part of that but um you know i think we need to get back to what what sport is all about at its, at its core and that's and that's winning and losing and look of course that doesn't necessarily mean literally winning the race we know only one person can mm. win the race uh it's the same thing with amateur athletes <laughs> look we know that you're not literally going to win uh your your hometown race but winning for you is running as fast as you possibly can and 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 beating as many people as you possibly can and um, the ideal conditions that we all have to have to run our personal best, they're not all going to be there. They're not always going to be there. So it's not about setting your personal best every time out. It's about running the best race you personally can run, uh, given the context of the situation, given the weather, given the course. Um, if all we care about is personal bests, even as amateurs, we're going to all have to fly out to California uh, <laughs> every weekend to run. Uh, and that's just not the way it is, you know, so let's get back to trying to, to, to dig down deep and, and get every ounce out of ourselves on the day, re regardless of, uh, of the situation. And I think then we can look ourselves in the mirror to get tomorrow uh, or the next day, I should say, and be proud of ourselves, whether we hit that BQ or not, because sometimes things are out of our control. Let's control what we can control. And that's, that's our effort. I love it. It's so good. I, you know, and I like, just about a month ago, I ran a half marathon and it was 10 minutes slower than my half marathon PR. 10 minutes, okay? But I ran that race so smart. And for my yeah. fitness level and for what, like my life in the past year, like that was probably one of the best races I have ever ran. And I was so proud of it. And so anybody listening, like you can be just as proud of something that's 10 minutes slower than your best time as you are of that best time. I mean, I've never executed a race so well. And so there's just something to be, and I put it all out there. I did. I worked so hard. So I just think that sometimes we hold ourselves to these standards of like what this time means and that time means. And it's like, rid yourself of that and be your best on the day. 
Yeah, totally. I love it, Lindsay. 100% I love it. Um, okay, Ben. So people can go buy the book, Run Like a Pro, Even If You're Slow. It's so good. It's got so many great tips. Um, before we wrap up, can you just give us like a Steph update and like a, I know you're, you're sending her off after this year and she's working so hard and tell us a little bit about how Boston training is going for her. Yeah. So I'm sure the Lindsay Hine podcast listener, uh, base overlaps quite a bit with the Stephanie Bruce fan base. <laughs> so, uh, I'm happy to do that for you guys. Yes. So Steph, um, announced at the beginning of the year that this would be her final year as a pro. She did that for a couple of reasons. She, uh, number one, found out she has a congenital heart defect. Um, she has a bicuspid valve in her heart instead of a tri where there should be a tricuspid valve. Um, and that's, that's okay for right now. The doctors have assured her that she can keep training at, at a, at a super high level and racing at a super high level and, and it's okay. Um, but there is, there is some level of, of worry there. Um, there, she does have some aortic valve regurgitation, meaning that some blood being pumped out is then coming back into the heart. And look, you hear these things and you think, look, I, I don't want to mess with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of it. But the other part was just getting that diagnosis caused her to, or forced her to just evaluate where she's at in life and what her goals are in life beyond running. And, uh, and I think as she said in interviews, one of the many goals she has is to, is to, um, perhaps add to her family, uh, if, if that is in the cards for her and Ben. And so, you know, she's just decided that for a variety of reasons, it's best to have one last big year. Now, the cool thing is she's totally ready to have a great year. It's not like she's fading away. She's running as well as she ever has. She got off to a great start this year. She got fifth at the U.S. Cross Country Championships. She won the uh, Rock and Roll Arizona Half Marathon. Unfortunately, she got COVID that weekend. Mm. <laughs> and so coming out of that race, we had to take, a, a, I think, a whole five days with no running. She got a pretty bad case of it, honestly. And um, so we kind of had to reset. But she came back. She did okay in an indoor 5,000, then pretty well in an outdoor 10,000. It was her third fastest time ever. Then she got 10th at the New York City Half um, last weekend. And that was a really good run. And so now as we're, I guess, three weeks away from Boston, she, I, I tell you what, she's looking, I would say as she's probably in as good a marathon shape as she's been since the trials, if not better. Wow. And we're still getting better every week. So as we look to Boston, I would tell you that we're looking to have kind of like we just talked about, you know, in terms of what it means to have a great day. We're looking for her to have a great day physically and run as good of a marathon as she's ever run. But the beauty of Boston is I don't know what that means. I don't know what time that will produce. I don't know what place that will produce. Those things are somewhat out of our control. But she's going to she's gonna be able to uh, put together one heck of a race there. We've worked on everything you need to work on for Boston. And she looks good on downhills. She looks good on uphills. Her aerobic strength is through the roof. Her speed is good. Um, I think any type of race that it is, she'll be able to handle. And uh, I'll say this. If she were able to finish in the top 10, again, understanding that some of that is out of, out of our control, understanding that that's somewhat arbitrary, the cool thing is that means she will have finished in the top 10 at London, Chicago, New York, and Boston, and the trials, wow. which I think would be pretty cool. I feel like that course could be go really well for her this year, I just based on what she did at the trials and um, the fact that it is, and you could, you're her coach, so you know better than me, but... Um, just the way that that course is designed, I feel like Steph could really kill that course. 
Yeah, I think she's very smart, very understands her body very well. Uh, we've done a lot of effort-based training over the last few weeks. Um, I think she understands what marathon effort is, even on hill, hills. And um, yeah, I, I'm in agreement, Lindsay. I think uh, I think it sets up very well for her. And also, she loves the big stage. Mm. She loves the big stage. And so she always performs her best in the biggest cities, the biggest races. Um, I, I don't see why this... I mean, look, it's tailor-made for her, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, Ben, give us a send off. What's, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, what did I just finish up? Uh, oh, I just, oh, what is it? What is it called? It's, uh, oh, the, uh, the garden of beasts. Is that what it's called? It's, it's about, um, 1930s Germany. Um, I, I read a lot of history books. Okay. Um, and it's by, it's by, oh, he's a famous author. Gosh, darn it. Um, is he the same guy that wrote Devil in the White City? I think he is. I think it's Eric Larson, uh, Garden of Beasts. And uh, it's essentially about the the family of the U.S. ambassadors to Germany during the 30s as the Hitler regime was coming into power. And it's a really interesting psychological read on how a wonderful nation of people can sort of get duped over time slowly. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened in Germany because you see all the atrocities and you read about all the atrocities, but those atrocities weren't right in front of these people's faces every day. They were sort of happening on the periphery. And otherwise, you're just going around about your daily life. And before you know it, this guy had just taken over. Jeez. And it's really it's really an interesting book. And I'm sorry it wasn't running. But it was. it's just I find it to be super interesting, that kind of thing and psychology. And look, I'll tie it back to running. Psychology is such a big part of running. It's such a big part of running. So anything you can learn about how the human mind works, I think can ultimately apply to your running. So yeah, if you like history, Garden of Beasts, Sarah Larson, very good book. No, I love that recommendation. Is that what you do to unwind? Like when you're not coaching, what do you and your wife and your daughter, like what do you do to unwind? Yeah, I mean, I like reading every night. So does my wife. She's a much faster, more voracious reader than I am. It takes me longer to read the books than than her. I think because I fall asleep quicker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like reading a book at every every night. I like it to not be about running. Sorry, yeah, you should no, read totally. my book about running. But, but <laughs> running is my job, so I prefer to read uh, history books. Uh, yes, I unwind that way. And then yeah, I'm still a sports fan. Big sports fan. Love love watching all sports. And I think that also helps my, uh, my coaching because I think we need to learn from other genres. And, uh, I learn as much from NBA coaches and soccer coaches, uh, as I do from running coaches. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my deal. And then my daughter is a big dancer and we love going to her competitions and kind of, uh, watching her grow and be passionate about something. It's, uh, it's super cool. Um, tell me a coach that you look up to and that you admire. In the running world or outside of the running world? You said all sports. So what? who are some coaches that you like to uh, not model yourself after, but take take uh, cues from or advice from? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lately, lately, I really like Thomas Tuchel. Okay. So he's the Chelsea uh, football coach, uh, soccer coach. Um, and what I love about him is he's got this incredibly high-pressure job. His team is very, very deep. And he has to rotate people in and out. He cannot play the same 11 every time. Uh, the Premier League season is so difficult. And he has he has to keep the bar very high. So he has to make these tough decisions where, look, if you don't play well one day, you're not going to be in the lineup the next day, hmm. you know, the, ne the next game. That's all there is to it. And he somehow keeps these guys 
bought in. That's my fascination is when things go wrong, he's able to keep them bought in. And the next time they play, they play hard. And he keeps the bar very, very high. And I think one thing he does, look, I don't know what he's doing inside the locker room and one-on-one, but when he's giving a press conference and he's talking about having to bench a guy, he always spins it in a positive way. And so every time they see this guy talk about them in public, it's in a positive way. Now, I'm sure he's getting on them internally, but he's never throwing them under the bus publicly. And I think that's really important, especially in this day and age with egos and athlete egos uh, in all sports and Instagram and social media, et cetera. Um, I just think he keeps things in-house, and I think that's really cool. So I really admire him, and I admire what he's done under, under a lot of pressure and scrutiny. I love it. Ben, thank you for your time. Congrats on the book. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Uh, hello to all of your listeners, and thank you to all of your listeners for uh, for sticking through this pod. You have such a cool fan base, and uh, I'm glad that we uh, we get to interact with them now and again when we're on the show. Yeah, I need to grab some interviews with some of your newer athletes, and we'll be excited to see who you bring on to the team. Okay, that's a, that's the a deal. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. All right, everybody, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Coach Ben, for coming on the show. You can follow Ben on Instagram. He's Coach Ben Rosario one Make sure you're following the Hoka NAZ team. They are NAZ underscore elite on Instagram. They are always sharing great updates on the team and what's going on with their group. And go check out Ben's book, Run Like a Pro even if you're slow, that he wrote with Matt Fitzgerald. All right, friends, have a great weekend. We've got another Boston episode coming out on Monday. And then, of course, the regular Friday episode. I appreciate you supporting my work and listening to this podcast. You can connect with me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. On Twitter, I'm at lindsayhine. And of course, we'd love to have you join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Heim. You can learn more about my podcast network, Sandy Boy Productions when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. I also have a podcast for parents called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Thank you for being here. Have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we'll see you next week.